630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. McDavid centers. What timer score? Oscar Clefbaum and Edmonton strikes again in overtime. This time it's Clefbaum. He takes the snap. He looks to the right side. He's throwing to the end zone. There it is. Touchdown Eskimos. Duke Williams. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. It's go-go for Yamamoto, the young man looking very good for the Edmonton Oilers in the preseason. Two more goals last night. You will hear from him in a couple of minutes. Scotty Upshaw released from his professional tryout contract. But as you'll hear, head coach Todd McClellan leaving the door open for Upshaw to return to the organization. The Oilers will play at home tomorrow. Preseason game number five against the Vancouver Canucks. We'll have it for you. 5.30 for the face-off show. Game at 7. The Eskimos had their team picture today. Hopefully they found some smiles after another tough road loss in Ottawa. Eskimos hosting Winnipeg on Saturday will have an Oilers-Eskimos doubleheader for you that day. The Eskimos coverage will start at 4.30 with the game at 5. Hey, thanks for tuning in, everybody. My name is Reed Wilkins, and I am your father. So the Oilers last night unable to win in Winnipeg, but Kyler Yamamoto, the big story. you got to listen to this. Four goals this preseason. He had five last year. He has nine goals in nine preseason games over the last two exhibition schedules. He continues to impress. I mean, the goals obviously are great, but how he is scoring, getting to the net, driving to the net, showing a lot of quickness, showing a lot of bravery, showing a lot of intelligence, and uh, it's looking pretty tough. I mean, they they can't possibly leave him off the team, can they? Sending it in for the right-hand side. A big hit. Collision Yamamoto and Fu. And now Yamamoto will break free on a breakaway. In shorthanded. Wrist shot score! Tyler Yamamoto finds the top right corner. You know, I think I've made some strides, but, um, you know, there's still a lot of strides to be taken and, um, you know, making sure that I'm on this team. Settles the play down and then fires a dart down the middle. Yamamoto breakaway for the lead. Backhander score! Tyler Yamamoto off a beautiful stretch from Ryan McLeod. The Oilers are back in front. I think definitely um, in any league you play in, um, you got to have that confidence. you got to have that um, every time you make a play. you got to be confident with every play you make. And, um, you know, I definitely think um, this year I uh, feel a lot more confident. Pick it up with open ice in the right corner. Get some help from McLeod. Pass curled out to Benning. Shot. Score. Wait and see. Yamamoto was the net front presence, and judging by how the orders reacted, did he I'll, get a tip? I wonder if they thought he got he a tip. He might have. It's a, it's a huge thing. Um, definitely if your timing's off, you're definitely not going to be um, seeing that puck a lot. And, you know, getting to those dirty ears, um, you know, I think it's definitely huge during a game. Nurse gets around Harkins. Takes it out wide against Kulikov. On his backhand center, one-timer score. Tyler Yamamoto again. His second of the night, fourth of the preseason. I mean, we don't know who your line mates will be necessarily next game, but you got to be out there with uh, Lucic and, and Dreisaitl today. Are you hoping you get that opportunity to play with some NHL veterans who have produced a lot of points in the past? Yeah, definitely. Um, anytime you can play with two high-end skilled players like that, um, you always want to get the opportunity, and um, you know if it comes, and hopefully, um, you know I can take it and run with it. 
So, yeah, Yamamoto today skating with Leon Dreisaitl and Milan Lucic. I would hope that at some point in the preseason he gets to play on one of the Oilers' top two lines. I think more likely he uh, slides up there and bumps Tobias Reeder down. I think a little more flexibility there with Reeder's game, and uh, I think Raddy deserves the shot to stay with Nugent Hopkins and McDavid. But you, you hear it said over and over again about Yamamoto. I mean, for, uh, forget about the size. He He gets to the front of the net. And he gets there at the same time as the puck. And you heard him reference it in those clips that the the timing for him is just as important as where he is. And, you know, Todd McClellan has talked about this in past seasons here with the Oilers. Um, you know, if uh, he, he often brings in uh, phrases from other sports, terminology from other sports, and he says, if a quarterback's not throwing to the end zone, uh, is it because the receivers aren't going there or is the quarterback reluctant to throw it? And, and Todd often says about going to the net, you have to arrive on time. I mean, it's, it's one thing to go stand in front of the net if, if the puck's not going to be coming there, if you're not reading the play properly and, and you might go stand in front of the net, but there's no angle for your teammate to get the puck there. Yamamoto has that ability to get to the front of the net, but also do it uh, in good timing. And yesterday he gets the deflection. He's screening the goaltender on the second goal, and then he's driving the net and converting a pass from Darnell Nurse for the Oilers' third goal of the game. So all those little things uh, are very positive. He turns 20 on Saturday. He's been a, a great story once again in training camp, and uh, Todd McClellan had this to say. Awfully strong. Um, real strong, very much like last year. In fact, uh, I would say it's an improvement or better. Um, he looks confident. Uh, I'm still amazed that our smallest player spends most of his time in and around the blue paint. And uh, he finds ways to score in that area. Um, he knows when to arrive and what to do when he gets there. And um, that's a real good sign. He, uh, he's come to camp, at least to main camp, with the uh, purpose of playing here, showing everybody he belongs. And in my opinion, he's done that to this point. So Yamamoto remains in camp. Ryan McLeod remains in camp. Evan Bouchard, Ethan Bear, some of the uh, younger, less experienced guys pushing for spots on the team. Now, Brad Malone waved today. Kevin Gravel waved, Keegan Lowe waved, all for the purpose of being assigned to Bakersfield. Uh, no surprises with Malone and Lowe. Gravel, uh, yeah, I'm wondering if he was uh, going to get another game, but he doesn't. Cooper Marodi assigned to Bakersfield. So the nine defensemen still on the ice, and, and you might see sometimes the Oilers list as having uh, 10 defensemen in camp. One of them is Andre Sekera, who's injured. So you have Nurse, Benning, Larson, Clefbaum, and Russell. There's your top five. Then you have Bear, Bouchard, Yerebeck, and Garrison on defense. I think Bouchard's going to be there. I mean, he's the best defenseman the Oilers have with the puck. He's going to have to learn a lot on defense, um, but he, you know he may get to play some third-pairing minutes and maybe be somewhat sheltered in that. Ethan Bear, good on the power play, good shot. He has some good puck skills as well. Garrison has looked a little up and down to me. And Jakob Yerbuck, I hate to say this because I, I, I try not to be insulting when I talk about players, but let's face it, there is nothing about Yerbuck's game that makes it look like he belongs in the NHL. Absolutely nothing. He has been completely out of place in every way, and I can't state that uh, any more bluntly. I, I know Stoffer put out a, a tweet today, uh, as he likes to, that, you know, 
could there be a mechanism for him to wind up back in Europe? Well, maybe, but it, you know, if if he's in the Oilers, if he's one of the Oilers' seven or eight defensemen uh, for opening day, I, I sure hope he's not one of the top six and actually playing. But uh, anyway, it's he has not been good at all. Some portions of Inside Sports presented by Furnace Family, your twenty four seven furnace repair and replacement specialist. Call seven eight zero four family or check them out online furnacefamily.com. So Scotty Upshaw. Released from his professional tryout. Here's McClellan's update. Scotty has had injury problems from day one. Um, and he has passed his physical, but he's relapsed into a, a situation where the injuries act up. And um, what we've done is we've talked to him, we've sat him down, and we've explained the situation with only about five days left before we go to Europe. Uh, that it's hard for us to make a decision when we haven't seen a player. Now, we know what Scotty's done in the past. We know, we believe we know what he can bring to the table, but he's got to get himself healthy and then play some games um, for us and for the whole league to look at him. And uh, we'll try and help him rehab uh, while he's here this week. And then we'll try, if, if he agrees, try and get him into some games, um, perhaps in Bakersfield or wherever that, that spot may be and uh, evaluate him from there. But it's, it's a tough situation that he's in, first of all, I feel for him. And it's also a real tough situation for us to be in because we don't have that time. We don't have that luxury of uh, five extra days here at home. All right, so Upshaw, it sounds like uh, that there could be a chance that he'll stay around Edmonton rehab. Maybe he can go to Bakersfield and play some games. But as Todd said, with the timing of camp, the Europe trip coming out, uh, you know, they, there's kind of not a great opportunity for him to get into a, into a game, and unfortunately, uh, the uh, nagging injury, uh, you know, inhibiting his chances here of uh, earning a contract with the Oilers. Though it sounds like the the door isn't entirely shut there. You can text six thirty six thirty. The phone number seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. My goodness, we just got a text from Jeremy from Glendon at McEwen. Of course, we will get to that. Monday Night Football underway, Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay. The coaches show Jason Moss, Morley Scott at 7.30. That and a whole bunch more still ahead. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader. 6.30, Chad. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. Brian Gianta retiring today after 16 years in the NHL. Over 1,000 regular season games won the Cup in New Jersey in 2003. Ryan Strom didn't practice today. Todd McClellan just calling it a minor groin issue. So the lines were McDavid between Nuge and Raddy, Leon with Lucic and Yamamoto, Kara with Reeder and Puliyarvi, Brodziak, Kajula and Cassian, and then McLeod, Chason and Aberg operating as the fifth line. Mike from the island says if Todd McClellan wants to ice the best team possible to start the season and bank some points, Yamamoto has to stay. And Jeremy from Glendon, now in Edmonton at McEwen. Hey, Reed, has Todd McClellan said why he's decided to play Reeder on the second line and Puliyarvi on the third? Doesn't make sense to me. If you, you want to get Puliyarvi going, uh, why play him with Strom and Kara? JP doesn't have the grit like Reader, and Reader would uh, and JP would benefit from Drysaddle's offense. 
The third line dynamic is weird with Puliyarvi on it. If you put Reader there, you have three energy players who can each pot 15 goals easy. Puliyarvi is getting used like Yakupov. Top six skill players need to play in the top six. I'd rather see him in the minors with Benson and McLeod than with Kara and Strom. Third line minutes are energy guy minutes, not minutes for developing a possible top winger develop and use the kid right from Jeremy. Well, your original question was, has Todd McClellan said why he's decided to play Reader on the second line and Pugliarvi on the third? He, he has said that, that he thought there was some good chemistry last season with Strom and Kara, and, and they wanted to keep that trio together. Uh, now, I don't know if Reader is going to stay on the second line because uh, Yamamoto might wind up getting that spot and possibly bump Reader down. So we'll see if the lines stay like they did today. Uh, I think with Reader, they want some speed with Dreisaitl because if you're going to have Lucic on one wing, clearly uh, Reader would be the burner on that line. And I think they're, you know, maybe hoping that there's, uh, you know, they've played a little bit together on national teams in the past that maybe Dreisaitl and uh, and Reader will have something going on. Jeremy, I, you know, I, I can't argue with uh, with with your logic, though. I, I mean, I, I mean, you've listened all the time, Jeremy, so you know I've always felt very unsure about Pugliarvi. He has looked much more confident and composed in the preseason. And if he keeps doing that, eventually he's going to force his way onto one of the top two lines. Uh, I don't have a problem, um, you know, with with him on that third line. I I, I really don't. Uh, this texture says Pugliarvi looks great on that line. And another texture says, hey, Jeremy, unfortunately, as much as I like pierogies, 15 goals are not easy in the NHL anymore. <laughs> okay. Remember, I don't know if Jeremy makes pierogies. He just lives inside the pierogi when he's in Glendon. But, you know, fair discussion about the line combinations. Uh, we've been kind of married to uh, this this set because we, we kind of knew all summer that that's how they were going to look. But they can quickly change, and they do often change throughout the season with injuries and streaks and slumps. And I think already we're seeing Yamamoto probably force his way into at least some time on one of the top two lines before the preseason is over. I think if I think if Yamamoto's here, he plays on one of the top two lines. I think if Raddy's here, he plays on one of the top two lines. I think Pugliarvi is is still in that zone. Like personally, I don't think it's going to kill his development or or his instincts if he plays with Strom and and Kara. And let's face it, there are some teams in the league where Strom might be considered a second line player. He isn't here anymore, but he was at first. And I think Kara's game has come a long way. If the I'm gonna I'm gonna say this right now, and if I'm right, I ask you to rem, all to remember that I said this. And if I'm wrong, forget that I said it. If the Oilers have a good season and maybe even a really good season the line of the potential line of Kara Stroman Pugliarvi will be more like a line 2A as opposed to a third line you know if they have a really good season that line's probably going to score you know at a better rate than recent Oilers third lines have so Jeremy from Glendon all fair comments but but keep that in mind if Pugliarvi comes along, Kara keeps doing what he's doing, and, you know, Strom is, I mean, Strom's not going to be a 50- or 60-point guy, but if he becomes a reliable penalty killer who can, you know, get some points when you need the odd one, 
you know, maybe. I'm being I'm being optimistic there, but that's that's why I see that line combination possibly working. Anyway, uh, Blake Dermott's going to check in on another loss for the Eskimos. You'll still hear a little bit on Evan Bouchard, looking very much like he'll be with the Oilers at the start of the year as well. Football over the weekend, the Wildcats beat Calgary 59. Wildcats are two and three. Huskies go to four and one. They beat Winnipeg 44-18. Golden Bears football lost on Friday 37-27 to Manitoba. Bears had a late lead, but Manitoba two touchdowns in the final three minutes. You can keep the text coming to 63630, phone number 780-496-0063. We'll also talk a little bit about Tiger's magic yesterday at the Tour Championship as we roll along Inside Sports on 630 Chess. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chess. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. 6.33 inside sports on 6.30. Chad, was that, uh, was that Velvet Revolver? Yeah. Woo! Beauty. Off Contraband. Yep. Great album. That is a good album. 2003-ish, I want to say. That was my grade 12 that, year. That is a good album. There we go. Uh, that was, what, Scott Wheeland, who mm-hmm. has since passed away, and all the guys from Guns N' Roses not named Axel. Wasn't that the lineup? Yes. I think that was the lineup. Pretty much. Or and most most of Guns N' Roses. Anyway. Yeah, they didn't have the drummer. The drummer was somebody else. Okay. Yeah. Some other drummer. Some other Some drummer. random drummer. Yeah. Hey, Kellen, I have a confession to make Uh-oh. before we get back to the other stuff. Okay. And I hope this doesn't make people think I'm weird. I think the Philadelphia Flyers mascot is great. For Philadelphia, sure. I think it's. I think he's awesome. Like Beverly Wall, he's weird looking. Well, mascots are supposed to be weird looking. It looks like a mutated it, Muppet. It, I think it looks. I don't think it's scary. I mean, maybe if you're a real little kid, you'd be scared. But kids, I don't know. He's supposed supposed to be a big goofy. I mean, this is the city that has the Philly fanatic. So you got you got you got to come in hot because you're already. You know, here's the problem with creating a mascot in Philadelphia. No matter how great a mascot you come up with, the best you can do is second place in the city for mascots. Because they got the Fanatic. The Fanatic's the best. So they made a goofy-looking, weird-looking mascot. I think he's Mm. great. I want to see a Freddy versus Jason-esque movie fight between... Have you seen Gritty? Did you see yes, Gritty, did. the I Flyers seen the... mascot? Yeah. Now, were you disturbed? You can, yeah. tell you, Sli- you can tell me if I'm, you know... Slightly. <laughs> you slightly. were slightly disturbed. Yeah. But, <laughs> but like I said... I'm going to make a t-shirt for Christmas. It'll have a picture of Gritty, and it'll say slightly disturbed. You know, I... I sh- Above I, and below the picture. I was hanging out with my mom today at lunch, and I showed her a picture of the mascot that Philly's got now for the Flyers, and she said that it looked like something off of Sesame Street. So... Well, there you go. There we go. I think he's great. It's not going to be enough to make me like the Flyers, but I, I didn't mind the mascot. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Some guests on the show get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down south comfort food to Edmonton with Southern Classics and other tasty treats. Salivate over the menu at northchickenyeg.com. So uh, just the quick Oilers notes today. Scotty Upshaw released. Todd McClellan did say, uh, you know, Upshaw, obviously this is injury-related. He hasn't been able to get into a game. Did say there was a little bit of a, a setback as he, he was recovering from an injury. And uh, so he's released from his PTO. 
McClellan said he can stay around Edmonton and rehab. Maybe uh, go, you know can go to Bakersfield. Uh, I guess he could get an amateur tryout to go play in Bakersfield and then see what happens from there. Malone, Gravel, and Keegan Lowe waived if they clear, which I think is likely. Uh, they would go to Bakersfield, and Cooper Marodi has been assigned to Bakersfield as well. So two uh, players who could go back to junior, both drafted this past summer. The Oilers got defenseman Evan Bouchard 10th overall, Ryan McLeod, speedy forward 40th overall, both still in camp. I think we have two junior eligible players left here. Uh, it's getting later in camp. Their teams are starting. If we didn't think these kids had a chance um, to play, we would have got them back with their own clubs and got them ready to go. So you could put Bush and Mac in that in that um, category where they've pushed enough to, to deserve to still be here. Uh, can they close the deal and remain here is is the question that still has to be answered. Yeah, that's going to be a big question moving along. I, I think Bouchard's going to stay. And uh, McLeod, I, I'm still iffy, but obviously they want to take more of a look at him. He, Like I said, today he was on the fifth line with Chason and Aberg. Uh, I mean, I've, I've been saying it all summer now into the preseason. I, I, I don't know about Aberg, but they're keeping him around, so they're giving him a chance. He does have uh, he does have the contract. Maybe you'd lose him on waivers just because another team might take a chance on him. Well, I was going to say because of his speed, but I've yet to see him look that fast in a game. But but anyway, uh, and Chase on, on a PTO, and uh, here's McClellan's latest there. Well, he has been... Um... You know, he's been a solid veteran here in camp. And what I mean by that is he understands what's going on uh, as far as his opportunities, taken advantage of it uh, very much so far. Uh, unfortunate for him, he was sick yesterday. He was scheduled to play. He didn't get the chance. Uh, but I believe he knows his role. He knows where he would play in the lineup, and he'll play to those strengths. Um, can he be a good penalty killer? Uh, can he fulfill a 10-minute uh, um, role or 12-minute role a night on that third or fourth line? Uh, can he push somebody out that's here right now? That's the big question, and uh, he's still here. He'll continue on with that process. All right, and obviously he would have played last night like McClellan referenced, but he wasn't feeling great. So Chase on it on a PTO. He uh, he still has a shot. As for uh, Bouchard, as for Bouchard, uh, Jack Michaels asked a, a, a good question today. If he is on the team... Does he not have to be in the top six? Because generally you don't want to keep young players and then scratch them or have them as part-timers. Uh, you would prefer that. You know, realistically, we're not a development league. We're a, we're a win league. Uh, depends where teams are in their evolution. Uh, some teams take that development approach and, and are rebuilding, and other teams are, uh, are right at the top, and they're not interested in that. Um, you know, based on our last two years, we're trying to figure out which team we are. And... Um, you can never err with overdevelopment, um, yet players knock on the door earlier than they ever have. It's become a very young league, and the young players have courage to play. They have the courage to make plays. Uh, they're not as affected as dramatically by mistakes. They recover quicker now, and that's a general uh, observation, not just Bush, but uh, an overall observation. So uh, there is room for young players on a team. Well, here, here's how I see the defense, everybody, and uh, you can tell me if I'm, I'm right or wrong. Bouchard is going to be on the Oilers on opening day for, for two reasons. He's the best defenseman they have when he has the puck already, 
And that's not to take anything away from what, you know, cleft bomb strengths or or bending strengths or nurse's strength. In terms of his all-round play with the puck, passing, shooting, control, vision, he's the best already. Second reason he'll probably play on opening day and be in the top six is by default. And I mentioned it already. Gravel's uh, been waived. Garrison on his PTO, I don't think has hit it out of the park. And uh, Yerbeck has struck out time after time again. And, and then, you know, Bears Bears doing well, but I would just put Bouchard ahead of them. So that's so some good. The guy has skill. And then some bad that, unfortunately, has been a topic of discussion for the Oilers too much in recent years. Guys make the team because there's nobody better. Now, if Secker is not injured or uh, Yerbeck would have been living up to his billing, then maybe we're having a, a different different top, uh, different conversation. But unfortunately, we are not. Uh, this texture says the new Philadelphia mascot looks like the old Expos mascot, Yuppie, on drugs. Well, Yuppie is still a current mascot, don't forget. Anonymous texture. Yuppie is now the mascot for the Montreal Canadiens. Looks exactly the same, except he's wearing the Habs jersey instead of the Expos gear. I think he lost a few pounds. <laughs> oh, all right. And uh, Andy says, Gritty has a playoff beard, LOL. Well, he does that. They made sure the mascot had a playoff beard. You could text uh, 630. <laughs> Jeff in Medicine Hat says, Reed, what are your point predictions for Yessi Pugliarvi this year? He's looked like a beast so far. I have him around 25-25. Uh, Jeff thinks Pugliarvi can get to 50 points. Uh, I'm I'm not going quite there yet. Well, you know he's he's looked good. I I, I would be th- I, quite frankly I'd be I'd be pretty happy if Pugliarvi approached half a point a game. If he got to 35 or 40 and and checked and just showed, I, I used the word last week with Rob. If he just looked more organized. And I, 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 that, that was the first word that popped in my head when Rob and I were talking about him after the game. But I, I just mean he looked, you know, under control. He looked composed. He looked like he knew where the play was was going, as opposed to maybe looking a little lost at times over the last two years. Uh, if he gets to fifty, Jeff, uh, I hope you're right here. Okay, if you want a projection, Jeff, I will say thirty-eight. How's that? I will say 38 points for Pooley Garvey, which I think would be a pretty good year. All right, the text line is 630-630. The Eskimos are not good away from home, and they are 7-6 and six overall. Blake Dermott to break it down when we get back. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. We haven't put together to our standards and, and we need to figure out how to play more consistently there's no doubt um, that's that's been the biggest challenge all year I think and that's what's frustrating is that there's you know a lot of moments in the game where we're playing to our ability and our potential and and we're doing good things um, you know it'd be a different ball game if or a different thought process and it wouldn't be as frustrating I don't think if if we knew that you know our best just uh, uh, was at a, a, a low level and even though we were playing our best it just wasn't good enough to win games that's just not the case you know we're just not not playing as well as we should be in in certain points in the game and and that definitely makes it frustrating uh wouldn't it be good if the edmonton eskimos could close out a game on the road now seven and six on the season looking like they were going to go ahead interception at the goal line they lose 28 15 to the ottawa red blacks on saturday 
our Eskimo analyst, former member of the team, Blake Dermott. Blake, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, Reed. Thanks a lot. Well, it's great to have you back on the show, and we uh, usually talk the first Monday after an Eskimos weekend game, and uh, when they've uh, had a home game, it's generally after a win, and when they've had a road game, it's generally after a loss. Uh, I mean, 13 games into the season now, 2-5 and five on the road, 5-1 and one at home, and another road disappointment in Ottawa on Saturday. I, I mean, I, I know teams often have better home records than road records, but man, like it, there's a, it just seems to me a, a real split in how the Eskimos play home and away, and uh, I know the easy thing is to say, well, it shouldn't be that way. You should be able to play the same way no matter where the game is, uh, but the Eskimos haven't been able to do that. Well, let's, let's also, uh, one of the things that I think uh, people have forgotten about this year is Let's let's think about some of the the weather conditions that they've had to play in, or some of the situations that they've been. So it's not uh, athletes are very much creatures of habit. Very much they you know they want to they they like to you know go to bed at the same time and have the food at the same time and eat the same kinds of things on meals. And then you know earlier this year they're in Winnipeg and played the longest game in CFL history, the second longest game in CFL because because of thunderstorms and lightning. And then and then they go to uh, uh, you know another in Ottawa and they had tornadoes that destroyed half. The town the day before and weather conditions and and so those are things that very easily get you off your you know uh, get you out of your rhythm now and, and it, it's very it's very easy for people to point to things like that as as an excuse but certainly there have been some situations this year that have been that have been out of their control they've missed or they've had plane delays and they've had they, their their travel schedule this year has been uh, certainly if you talk to Jason Moss it's been something that has tested their resolve on more than one occasion and and this certainly was you know uh, another one of those situations now a loss is a loss and and they seem to do that at, uh, on the road a lot and and that's concerning and that's something that uh, was addressed by uh, you know the coach and and by uh, Mike Riley after the game. Well, you know, strong comments by by Riley after the game. You, you can certainly hear it in his voice, and he talked more today about being inconsistent, about not playing to their standards. And and there there's another theme, Blake, where you, you get the feeling. I don't think I'm alone here. I mean, Stoffer and I talked about it a bit yesterday before the hockey game. You get the feeling that the team should be better than they are. Like they they shouldn't be seven and six and and in this big pack of teams that they they should have been able to squeak out an extra win or two with the talent they have uh like are are we are we wrong for clinging to that notion or 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 like what what, what's the issue here no i I don't think um honestly i don't think that um um, that we're wrong thinking that way i mean you've got the the uh mop of the league the guy who could be over six thousand yards in passing uh this year regardless of this last game i mean there's lots of reasons to feel that you got the leading receiver in the league you got a number of things that uh, that make people believe in this team yet there's right now the, the 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 people that believe the least in this team seem to be the people on the team and uh and that's what's causing some grief in uh, in in the organization and within the players, the leadership on that team, when they're seeing a struggle when they shouldn't be struggling, they're seeing that the, they, when they, as you mentioned, they go into a funk, they stay in a funk for a while. So, so that that's something that they they very much calling the Ottawa uh, Red Blacks a Jekyll and Hyde team. The Eskimos are certainly a Jekyll and Hyde team. You you go out two weeks ago and beat the best team in the league, and uh, then you come out and 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 again. 
you're not losing to a bad team. They have the exact same record as you, and they're playing at home and all of those things. Um, but you, this is a this is a game that you just felt deeply that you should have had more success in. I don't have an answer for it. Well, yeah, it, it's tough, and, and and you referenced the point I've been making most of the year, and, and often after road games, when it goes south for the Eskimos, it, it tends to go south. I'm talking within an individual game. It tends to go south for a while. I, I mean, they were almost shut out the entire first half in Ottawa. Uh, they, they got the pass interference in the end zone that helped get a touchdown, and hey, you know, you, you got to earn those, and, and it was a penalty, but that was, again, close to an entire half without scoring after, you know, the bad second half and in Hamilton, the bad second half in in BC, and and to me that's as big a sign as anything, Blake. Because you know I, I'm not saying you get to score 14 points every quarter, but you know good teams, even if they're struggling, they find a way to kick a couple field goals, or or you know still still maybe get a big play for a touchdown, and and that hasn't been there for the Eskimos. The the lulls have been really extended. Yeah, and and again, you know that's it's one of those. Um it's one of those things that's very, very hard to understand because uh, because of the talent level on this team. And, 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 and I I don't think that when I look at this team, I look at it as a homer or anything like that. I mean, I look at it and compare it to other teams in the league. And they seem to be having, not, not only do they does it go south for them, but they seem to be you know having these types of games at the most inop- inopportune times. Like, everybody else in the West wins this week. <laughs> they, they, everybody that they needed to lose one and then they go out and lay an egg like this and and that 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 really i don't know if this is a a, a team of destiny or a team of really bad timing but certainly this uh, we'll know if it's a team of destiny by the end of the season but but right now it's all about their timing and and uh, and having these and i know that these kinds of things happen in professional sports it happens all the time at all different levels and, and different leagues but but this is just not a very good time for this to happen for this team well, and, and yeah, and then the other two games, I mean, Toronto so close to beating Saskatchewan, doing the Eskimos a favor, and then Hamilton, I mean... <laughs> you, you, I don't know how they lost that game. Well, it would have helped if they would have tried a field goal to go up 10 instead of punting through the end zone to go up 8. That might have helped. <laughs> but, but you know what, though? I mean, okay, sure, and and you can we can second-guess the heck out of this thing, but they were up by 8. And BC's got to go from their own 30-yard line with 30 seconds to go to score a touchdown and a two-point conference. I was thinking I was pretty safe, too, as a coach. But, my God, if that, was, if that wasn't one of the most interesting, exciting games of the CFL season, you know, with the way you thought it was over two or three times when, when BC when Jennings throws that interception and, and uh, with, with, what, 45 seconds to go in the game, and, and, uh, and then they get the ball back and score a touchdown and get two points. It was, it was something else. But, but those are the kinds of things I'm saying that the Eskimos, they're happening to the Eskimos. So they're, they're at such an inopportune time. You, you would think that somebody's going to help you out, but, but it, nobody did. And, and everything was sort of stacked against them this week, uh, including, as I said, the tornadoes and then, and then, and then the, the loss and then everybody else winning on top of it. I, I guess those are the three things that happened. So maybe they're going to start getting some good luck now between now and the end of the season. All right. Well, Winnipeg uh, here on Saturday. Bombers still come to Commonwealth twice before the end of the year. Blake, always great to have you on the show. We'll do this again soon, man. Have a great night. Thanks, Reed. Thanks a lot. Great stuff, as always, from Blake. Yeah, that was quite a triple header on Saturday. Eskimos game and then a, a, a great finish between the Riders and Toronto. And unfortunately, the Toronto kicker can't help out the Eskimos. And Saskatchewan escaped that one. 
And June Jones, the much-debated punt through the back of the end zone. BC comes back and ties it thanks to a review on the two-point convert. In by about a centimeter was Brian Burnham's toe. And they knock off Hamilton in the second OT. That was a great day of football for sure. All right, we're coming up to the 7 o'clock news. Jason Moss and Morley Scott in studio from 7.30 to 8 tonight. We'll talk a little bit about Tiger back in the winner's circle for the first time since 2013. Inside Sports on 6.30 Chet. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.